And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. Oh, uh, who boy. Uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, the president has the Rona. The press and the Democrats celebrate. Uh, and then they become very sad when they when they learn that the president's probably not going to die. Um, pretty typical 2020 stuff, uh, to be honest. I you probably should have expected this all around. Um, I was joined by my good friend Ian Hayworth. Always a great time talking to Ian. Uh, before I get to Ian, uh, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, here's my chat with the great Ian Hayworth. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Ian Hayworth. Ian, my friend, how you doing? Thank you so much for having me, as always. Uh, my, my head is spinning. This new cycle, I think, is the the weirdest episode in 2020 so far. It's uh, it's a little hard to get my head around. It's too much, man. I mean, there's been entirely too much news on a daily basis this week. And, I mean, obviously, everybody knows I do two podcasts a week, Monday and Wednesday. And, you know, like last Wednesday at noon, when I got done with my last episode, feels like 50 years ago. <laughs> like, I don't even know how. Like, obviously, I, I usually say we're going to get to everything. We're not going to get to everything. That's physically impossible. I don't have a... 24-hour daily radio show or something like I don't even know how I could get to everything that's happened in the last five days but like before we get into what happened obviously with the president and and being hospitalized and and all that uh, I'm gonna start here Donald Trump is a moderate Donald Trump is a centrist okay like I'm gonna go through some things I don't like about Donald Trump just to start off the show he's a big spender just like the Democrats want he passed you know, criminal justice reform, which I actually liked, but he passed criminal justice reform that the left wanted. You know, he hasn't really ended any of the wars. That's obviously what the Democrats wanted. You know, he violated the Second Amendment and unilaterally banned bump stocks like the Democrats wanted him to. He, he signs Democratic budgets. You know, he encouraged the lockdowns, at least initially. I mean, this is a centrist president. He's closer to Eisenhower than he is Reagan. And a lot of I like a lot of the things Trump has done, but the things I don't like about him are, are is because he's not conservative enough for me. OK, and the left, the left wants him dead. OK, the, the left today that the press and, and a lot of Democrats, not all of them, but a lot of them are very upset today that he did not die of the coronavirus. And I don't know what else I'm supposed to think about this, Ian, but if they want this moderate president, this middle of the road Republican president dead, what do they want for people like you and me? Well, they, they ultimately want the same thing. I mean, if you if you look at the way the left look at basically anyone they see as an enemy, they look at things through like a binary lens. Like you and I look at everything on a scale where we can appreciate like maybe someone disagrees with one policy, but we agree on another. And so we judge everyone based on a scale. They judge everyone based on a yes, no algorithm where unless you agree to their current view of progressivism or leftism or whatever term you want to use, then you are a white supremacist. You're a Nazi. You're all of these terms that are now meaningless. So it doesn't really matter whether it's Reagan, George W. Bush, or 
or Trump. They're all far-right Nazis. And people have incredibly short memories, often with the help of the media uh, brainwashing everyone and gaslighting everyone, as to, oh, it, was, it all started with this version of that white supremacist. And the next Republican president, um, God willing, will be sooner rather than later, will be exactly the same thing. He'll be, oh, do you remember the times when Trump was even remotely civil and now we have this? He's, a, <laughs> he's the real white supremacist. It's just this cycle where they don't actually care about someone's policies or what they truly believe. It's just the label. Like, they loved Trump until five minutes ago. I mean, it's going to be hilarious when the press and the left says, like, oh, could you, you look, look back at how civil Donald Trump was compared to Mike Lee? Sir <laughs> 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 Ben Sass, like some just like, you know, milk toast, like just nice guy, you know? And they, they say he's like more, you know, more nasty than, than Donald Trump or something like that. But, well, look, man, like I never would have said this before watching the behavior of the press and the Democrats over the last 72 hours. But I, I really don't know what other conclusion I'm supposed to come to at this point. Like, I am a radical. I'm a radical. You're pretty darn radical yourself, Ian. But, like, just speaking for myself here, I'm a radical. Like, I support ending the income tax, ending the wars in the Middle East, destroying the Federal Reserve, you know, returning to a gold standard, passing a constitutional amendment mandating balanced budgets so the Democrats can't spend money anymore. Okay, I want to get rid of the wealth, welfare state completely. You know, I want to get rid of... Most government agencies, like the Department of Ener Education, the EPA, Department of Energy, all of it. I, I, I'm roughly 50 million times more conservative than President Trump. Okay? Like, I'm way more. I'm way to the right of Donald Trump, as are you. It, so, like, if they want him dead, if they were celebrating this man getting sick, I mean, what what do they think about me? What do they think mm -hmm. about you? It's like, I, I don't know what else. I'm sorry for the hyperbole here. But what else am I supposed to think watching the behavior of the press and the Democrats over the last three days? Well, they they think we're Nazis. I mean, honestly, some of them don't. Some of them, it's all theater. Of course, and of they, course. Know, they, yeah. they know what they're doing. But you see a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of the, you know, the blue checks that were coming out basically calling for Trump's death or cheering that he was sick. Those people look at their enemies in, in exactly the same way. And we fall into that into that bucket. And as you said, in many ways, we're worse because we are more conservative than Trump. Like for them, Trump, they would cheer if Trump declared himself a Democrat. Like it's all about labels. They don't really care about what you believe. It's all about the virtue signaling, like whether or not you have the right banner on your lawn. They don't care about what you truly believe or what you do. They just care about whether you bend the knee or not. And um, you and I, and to some extent, Donald Trump don't bend the knee. And so got to be destroyed. It's that simple. We haven't had like a legitimate conservative president since, I mean, you can, you could say Reagan, you know, Reagan was pretty good on, on some things, but I'd say since Calvin Coolidge, you know, a hundred years ago. And like if Ted Cruz is president right now, what would they be doing? Oh my goodness. I, I mean, mean it's, it's somebody who like a legitimate constitutionalist, somebody who deeply cares about the constitution, you know, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz. I mean, they wouldn't be rooting for his death. There'd be a daily assassination attempt. Well, I mean, Rand Paul, I guess I just proved myself right. I mean, Rand Paul, look at look at him. I mean, the Democrats mm -hmm. have tried to kill him three times in three years. Okay. I mean, three three assassination attempts on poor Rand Paul in three years, for goodness sakes. And he doesn't even have any power. He has no power. <laughs> you know, a, a junior senator from Kentucky. He's like the only guy, you know, voting against like these big budgets and stuff. Like, he has no power whatsoever. And the Democrats have tried to kill him three times in three years. So it's like, I, I, I don't know, man, like. How do you negotiate with people that, that 
are sad that a moderate Republican president didn't die in office. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like, I and I don't know what percentage of the left it is. Of course, it's not all of them. I have plenty of Democratic friends who you know love me and don't wish ill on me. But like, I I hope it's a very small percentage of people on the left. But it's ninety percent of journalists. Mm-hmm. It's ninety percent of the corporate. I I, I would say ninety percent of the corporate press openly wants Trump to die and openly wants conservatives to die. And that, that's the thing. I mean, like, these people are, you know, there's the, the Black Lives Matter, ACAB, all cops are bad. Like, how about AJAB, all journalists are bad. Like, I'm, I'm completely done with these people. These people are degenerate, godless monsters, and they need to be stopped. I mean, I think may, maybe just the press is so bad, like, these journals are so evil that it's giving me just a, a bad depiction of the left more generally. But le- legitimately, I, I mean, I, I watched some MSNBC and CNN this weekend. I mean, these people are degenerates. I mean, they are. It, hopefully it's not 90 percent of the Democratic Party, but it is 90 percent of the press for sure. Oh, yeah, the press are garbage. I think the lesson here is that there are two things we need to do as conservatives. I think one is stop compromising with these monsters. Like there are still Republicans today or conservatives, however they define themselves, who are still calling for us to compromise with the Democrats. Insane. Like with, with the Supreme Court nomination nonsense with Amy Coney oh. Barrett. So, okay, maybe yep. we should wait, and then they'll promise not to do what they'll do anyway, and then everything will be fine. Like, why? We won. Like, yeah. this is this is a battle. Why are we compromising with them when we don't have to? They wouldn't with us. So I think lesson one is just stop, like, grow a pair and stop compromising with people, especially when you've won the damn thing. And I think secondly is we need the next step of conservatism to return to our fundamental roots of conservatism. I don't want another version of Donald Trump coming next. No. I think that's going to be a disaster. <laughs> no, no, no. I think we need someone like Ted Cruz, someone who's going to come in and basically filter out all the nonsense that's clogging up the works and just return to a fundamental, basic American conservative um, platform that I think would be phenomenal once we have kind of the momentum that someone like Trump has given. But I think we're at a crossroads, and I, I hope we're not going to just either go back to the weakness where someone will come in as a Democrat and the Republicans will just go back to kind of nodding and backing off. And I hope we don't just vote another version of Trump in, like people talking about Donald Trump Jr. is the uh, like bloody hell. We're no, not no, no, let's a not monarchy. Do that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> that, that that would be the end of conservatism, honestly. So um, it's it's going to be an interesting few years, I think. If people are obsessed with this election, in some ways, I think 2024 might be more important. I agree. We'll, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, I, I talked about this a lot uh, over the last couple of weeks on the show, too, about like what the future of conservatism and the Republican Party is going to look like, you know, and, and it's funny, like the never Trumpers. Um, I, I mean, I actually discussed this with Jim Garrity from National Review, who's more of an establishment type Republican, and he agreed with a lot of the points I made that like. You know, we need to take a lot of the things that we've learned on the right from President Trump and and move forward with it. Like a lot of these these never Trumpers, like the Jonah Goldbergs, the David Frenches, the people that are yeah, they're, they're saying we should compromise with the Democrats on on the Supreme Court seat. It's like, I mean, no, that's just you're just that's just Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> you know, what I mean? you're just like, no, I mean, you're just caving to blackmail. Is you know, maybe if I do exactly what my husband wants, we'll stop kicking my ass. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean that's that's absolutely insane. That's not how it works. Uh, but it's like these people think that they can snap their fingers and go back to the party of Mitt Romney. And one, that's not going to happen because that's not how history works. Like, you just don't go back in time in a movement like this. Like, that's just not that it's physically impossible. That's never going to happen. And even if we could, who would want that? Like, Mitt Romney got blown out. Like, he got mm-hmm. destroyed. He was 
He was absolutely destroyed by the press and by Barack Obama. I don't want to go back to losing, okay? <laughs> like, you know, like we've been, the Republican Party's been losing most of my adult life. Like, why would I want to go back to that? Obviously, I don't want the Republican Party to be this party of Trump forever. You know, one, like, loudmouth madman after another <laughs> forever. <laughs> I mean, that's not what I want either. But, like, this whole let's go back to this gentle, nice, kind Mitt Romney party. Why? So we can lose every race forever? Like, that's insane. Like, I don't know why people would want that. Like, we need to take the things we've learned. Like, in a lot of ways, Trump taught the Republicans how to win mm-hmm. again. You know what I mean? So we need to take some of those good things we've learned from Trump and move forward, I think. Well, I don't want to speak for specific Republicans or conservatives, but I think there are some who almost prefer to be speaking from a position of weakness. I think there are some who would rather not have the authority or the power to actually follow through. I think there are a lot of people who like to kind of sit back and then complain about the Democrats who are in power and say, oh, if only we were following these principles. But when it comes down to it and we have the opportunity to, they kind of lose their bottle a little bit. And I think Trump, for better or for worse, has come in and he <laughs> he certainly pushes for what he wants. He doesn't really back out back out of anything. And I think, as you said, the Republicans that follow him I think need to take elements of his personality and his characteristics that are good for us. So for example, fighting the media, I think is one of the key battles of our generation. And I am terrified that the next Republican leader is going to come in and then just allow the media to seep back to where they were before, which is silent control. I think the reason we have so much thrash is because we have someone like Donald Trump who is constantly calling them out for what they are. Um, I, I don't particularly like the the fake news rhetoric, but quite often it is just fake news. And Trump is the first conservative I've ever really seen who is happy to fight with them every single day and every single time it happens. And if we return to basically ignoring that and just giving them free reign over what reality is, it's going to be very hard to get any power back ever again because they're going to learn from this and they're going to they're going to button down all the hatches and they're going to fill in all the gaps it's going to be very hard. Um, so we we can't forget that really during this whole time, the mainstream media have been one of our most formidable enemies in many ways. And we can't forget that. They're not going away anytime soon. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the the, the, the media, the corporate press is why I'm a Republican. I mean, like, I don't I don't agree with the Republican Party on everything. I mean, I'm, look, I, I'm sure. I mean, I'm a pretty radical libertarian, man. Like, I'm sure I agree with uh, what's her name? The LP. Oh, Joe Johnson. Oh, Joe Joe Johnson. <laughs> She's so irrelevant. Couldn't remember her name. <laughs> JJ. Anyway, anyway, I'm sure I agree with Jorgensen's platform a heck of a lot more than Donald Trump's, <laughs> right? Okay, like I'm sure she's right on a lot more than Trump is, but like I, I, I'm not throwing my vote away in Ohio, mm-hmm. a swing state, and and I'm gonna continue to vote Republican because it's more important that we defeat the press than defeat the Democrats. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like Trump, the uh, Trump is the only reason why. The press is losing some of their control. I mean, they've controlled the narrative in this country for 100 years. You know, they've controlled the direction of the country for 100 years. It hasn't been the politicians. It's been the press. And they need to be crushed. I mean, they mm-hmm. need to be destroyed. The earth salted where they once stood, and they need to be replaced with something else. I mean, we'll get into it, uh, you know, in, in a second. But, like, in a, in a world where we actually had a press, like a free press, these people would be unhirable. They would not be employable. Like Jake Tapper over the weekend, like he should be fired in disgrace and he should never work again. He should be flipping burgers at, at McDonald's. I mean, th- I mean, th- these people are not journalists. They're, they're these 
they're awful, evil monsters mm-hmm. trying to destroy the country, wishing death on the on a duly elected president. I mean, so you're absolutely right that the the main goal, our main fight, is against the press, not even the Democrats themselves. And I mean, that's why that's why legitimately that's why I'm a registered Republican. That's why I'm a I'm a former elected Republican. That's why I ran for, mm-hmm. because the Republican Party needs to be strengthened so they can defeat the press. Not even the Democrats are not nearly the threat that the press is. Well, there's also the issue of the left have this kind of intellectual elitist streak where they think anyone who disagrees with them is an idiot. Like they, they truly think that anyone who votes Trump is a moron. That is their position. And that's what journalists think. And Trump has been the weapon we needed at this time to fight back, to fight back against that complete right. falsehood. I mean, remember Clinton's basket of deplorables. They've been using that language for decades. Yes. It's nothing new. Yes. It's just now we suddenly have a Republican Party who are willing to stand up and say, oh, no, that's bullshit. And it is. It's horrendous to assume that someone who doesn't think that Marxism is the solution to our problems only does so because they're stupid. And right. if only journalists can hold their hands and help them with some crayon drawings, learn what really matters and what really is true. That is the arrogance that we need to change because journalists are not journalists. They are activists who truly believe that they are in some form of position of authority, given them to them by themselves effectively to guide us into what we should think and what we should believe. They are not there just in the background telling us what is happening. Like they, the way they promote themselves and the the way they cheer each other on when one of them stands up to the president, that's not your job. (laughs) Your job is to report and ask questions, not to get into fights with um, Kayleigh McEnany about something and then congratulate, <laughs> congratulate each other on Twitter as your Twitter followers spiral upwards. And there's someone like Acosta who has become his own little celebrity in the world of journalism. <laughs> he should be an unknown, but he's cheered on. It's like, oh, preach. It's like, that is not, his job is not to preach. His job no. is just to tell you what's happening. That's it. It's also funny too, because, you know, especially with uh, Kayleigh McEnany, uh, you know, like Sean Spicer wasn't as good. Sarah Sanders was okay. But especially with Kaylee uh, McEnany, I mean, she's like really bright and she's really good at her job. <laughs> so it's like when these acts try to, you know, they, they pull a Jim Acosta and they try to they mm-hmm. go after her. It's like they get smacked around. So it's like they're bragging about being destroyed by this little 100-pound blonde woman, which is hilarious. I mean, yep. they're in such an echo chamber that they don't even understand how bad they look to the rest of the country, which is hilarious to me. Well, especially, as you say, like, Kelly McEnany is incredibly intelligent. Like, she she studied abroad in Oxford. She's in, she's very, very smart. And I've seen journalists basically mocking her because she's a blonde woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, um, can we please agree to one rule that we both follow? Because last time I checked, mocking someone as, as dumb because they're blonde and female is sexist. But for the left, they never follow any of their own rules. I think that's something I wish Donald Trump did more of. I think sometimes Donald Trump is almost distracted by the shiny little objects of an argument rather than like pointing out their own hypocrisy. I'm just sitting there and saying, if I said that, you would lose your mind. It's it's appalling the things they come out with. Every day, the things they come out with. They accuse people of being white supremacists with no evidence. They accuse Carl Rittenhouse of being a white supremacist because he's white. That's That's literally the only variable they care about. They accuse the Proud Boys, who I do not like, of being white supremacists when they're not, their leader is Hispanic. Like they, they have no grounding in reality and they need to be destroyed for it. It's not acceptable anymore. Yeah, I, I don't like the Proud Boys because they're a bunch of freaking dorks. <laughs> not because they're, <laughs> they're, they're not, I mean, there's a bunch of like black 
Proud Boys, so, you know, it's hard to be white supremacist if you have a bunch of black members. They're, they're a bunch of weird clowns <laughs> that, like, I don't want to just hang out with dudes all the time. I, I mean, it's kind of, you know, I'm a straight male. So that's why I don't like the Proud Boys. But anyway, all right, so let's, uh, for, just in case somebody in the audience uh, just woke up from a coma or, or something like that, um, We'll just go to the beginning of the timeline and just go through the facts. Uh, president Trump, obviously, it, for some reason, uh, you, you hadn't heard the president and the first lady have the Rona. Um, Trump was hospitalized on Friday after needing oxygen at the White House Friday morning. Uh, he's recovering well. Uh, he was discharged uh, yesterday evening and is back at the White House. Um, the White House did not communicate well, uh, to say the least, regarding the president's uh, health. That's for sure. Um, but the president did post a couple videos where he addressed the nation directly, and thank God he, it appears that he's doing okay. Um, this obviously was serious, man. I mean, this was troubling. Uh, the president <clears throat> is 74. Uh, he's obese. Uh, obviously a couple high-risk categories there. Uh, there's an election in a month, um, and the nation is in no position to handle the death of a sitting president right now. I think that would— uh, um, we we all need to be praying for the the president's full recovery because I don't know. Read the room, Ian. I do not think that the republic could handle uh, the death of a president right now. Obviously, even with his advanced age and weight, um, it's still you know just the statistics the statistics show that he has you know whatever a ninety seven ninety eight percent chance of surviving this. But uh, it's obviously still still concerning. I think we're all on pins and needles on uh, Thursday night, Friday night, uh, watching all this go down. Yeah, I mean, he needs to get back to normal as quickly as possible, simply because we can't have two candidates not campaigning in the last month of an election. Yeah. Because we, we're already in a position where no one is going to respect the result. I think you've got both sides pointing to the other, saying that the result is going to be legitimate if it doesn't go their way. I can only imagine if, God forbid, Trump passed away, or even if he's just still incapacitated, he's too ill to really um, be full swing during the last, say, last week. It's going to be an absolute nightmare. I think we're already going to have a couple of months after the election where it's going to be a nightmare. I can't see any outcome where it doesn't go to the Supreme Court unless it's an absolute blowout, which I simply don't see happening at this point. So we need as many as many variables as we can settled out. And the president being ill in hospital with coronavirus when he's a high risk category is not one of those variables that I think anyone wants if they want a smooth election. Honestly, I'm frustrated with the president on this one. I think... Something like this, so close to the election, having someone like Hope Hicks, who there are multiple videos of her, no mask, hugging, you know, laughing, close proximity with multiple people. Trump has been extraordinarily careless in the past few weeks, especially. The election is more important than slight inconveniences of just taking basic precautions. And the fact that someone like Hope Hicks can come in and basically infect a bunch of people in the administration, including the president, is, is crazy to me. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, what a lapse in judgment from the president's team, from the Secret Service. I mean, I, uh, I it's believed that uh, that Hope, Hope Hicks uh, was the, the, the person that infected everybody. And it, what, it seems to me that um, a lot of the people that were involved with uh, debate prep were the mm -hmm. ones that got sick. Hope Hicks was involved with that. Uh, former Governor Chris Christie also tested positive. Um, I haven't actually seen anything on, on his status, uh, but he's he's very, very heavy. He's very uh, he's morbidly obese. So he's somebody to um, definitely pray for him as well. Um, and then obviously Melania as well, you know, Trump's wife. 
Um, so it seems like it, it probably was coming from Hope Hicks, but I, I just don't understand how anybody coming in contact with the president wasn't tested. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it se- seems to me that anybody coming within 100 feet of the president of the United States would be tested uh, before they're allowed to enter the White House or enter Air Force One or whatever. I, I have no idea how something like that got past Secret Service. It's quite shocking. I think it's also... I. I... I hope that Trump uses this as an opportunity to reset the narrative a little bit. I think with something like COVID, it's almost a matter of time until everyone gets it, if we're going to live in a reality. Until we have a vaccine that's reliable and most people are taking, which I think will take time in itself, yeah. it's it's a reality of our world. And we can't live in a, in a <laughs> basically in a ditch hoping to avoid it. Eventually, you're going to be exposed and eventually you will catch it. Most people, I think, based on figures, will be asymptomatic, so you won't even know. But with someone like Trump, the number of people he meets, and Biden, by the way, the number of people he meets and interacts with, the chances are he's going to be exposed. And so he needs to use this as an opportunity to reset the narrative and say, look, COVID is a reality. No country is handling this. We've done this, this, and this, which we think has helped. We're working on these solutions. But until then, it's a reality, and we need to decide where we draw the line. We can't just lock everything down, and we can't just carry on as normal and basically expose vulnerable people. So what we need to do is we need to define that divide. I, I hope he does that. My worry is that he comes out and basically uses this as, oh, it's not that big a deal. Look, I'm fine. Nothing can get me. And then the left will just use that as further evidence that he doesn't take this seriously. Because I think uh, I don't think he's going to do that. He uh, In the video he posted last night um, before leaving Walter Reed, uh, he did say, you know, he kind of joked a little bit and said how he understands this virus now. Like he gets mm-hmm. it, you know. So I, I think there is a chance, maybe. <laughs> I mean, he is a 74-year-old billionaire, so it's hard to get him <laughs> to change course on anything. But I think there is a chance that he will kind of course correct a little bit. At least, at least that's what I took from that video last night. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he could, after sleeping on it, he may <laughs> change his mind. But uh, it does seem like he may, may be willing to correct course here. I think if he uses the same kind of rhetoric he used in that video, I would be happy. I think it's the best way to yes. to move on from this. Um, as you say, though, with, with Trump, you never really know. Um, it's just it's just going to be interesting. I honestly feel like it was a matter of time until one of them got it. And I think it, it's interesting to play that hypothetical game of like, what if it was Biden? But the fact is, Biden and his administration have taken this more seriously, have been more careful. And Trump's administration. Well, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if if by more careful means he doesn't do campaign events. Then yes, I mean, I I get what you mean. But I'm not saying that's good. But I'm saying that it's going to be a. It's people are trying to compare the two campaigns, but the the fact is they both acted very differently, and so it's going to be a a difficult argument to push the. Oh, it, it was just a matter of time for both of us. I think Trump needs to protect against that argument because that is the one that Biden is going to use. Biden, in if Trump gets back to normal, the Democrats and, and Biden especially are going to be pointing at Trump saying, look, he didn't take this seriously. This was karma. I disagree with that. I think I think that's a horrible argument. But that is the argument that Trump needs to preempt against. And I hope he does it sooner rather than later because you've seen, to bring it back to the media, you've seen how they were about Linda Sarsour coming out and saying that, oh, Trump didn't want to debate, so he got corona on purpose, or Trump is lying about <laughs> corona because he's scared. Like These are all narratives that need to be killed as quickly as possible, because otherwise the media are going to run with them, and they are going to give them legitimacy. Yeah, and we, we, can, we already touched on the media earlier, but we can, again, just briefly. The press just 
destroyed itself again. Um, I honestly look if, if anybody listening, if you still pay attention, if you still get your news from the corporate press, I just don't know how to help you at this point. I mean the the celebratory nature of the coverage mm-hmm. of Trump getting this virus. I mean just the lies, the hatred, the conspiracy. Like you mentioned, the conspiracy theories, ranging all the way from Trump doesn't really have the virus to anonymous sources say Trump is dead or dying. <laughs> I mean, just an utter clown show. And the never Trumpers on the right. I mean, they said how high as soon as the press said jump again. <laughs> right, right on mm-hmm. cue. Disgusting, embarrassing behavior from people that I like, so, from people I respect, like like Jonah Goldberg, you know, engaging in these, these conspiracy theories all over Twitter for three days. It's like, guys, how many times has this bit you in the butt? I mean, mm-hmm. how many times have you looked like a clown going along with the the corporate press narrative, and but they jump right in? I mean, they can't help it. It's, it's like it's candy. I mean, it's crack for a crackhead to Jonah Goldberg, mm-hmm. man. The corporate press is just giving him drugs. I mean, he, and he eats he eats it right up, man. I mean, my my cat shows more <laughs> restraint when I open a can of wet food than. Jonah Goldberg does when when MSNBC starts talking like it's completely embarrassing watching these never Trumpers, you know, say how high when the press says jump. I mean, it's just like you mentioned, the conspiracy theories. I I, I couldn't I don't think the press could have handled this weekend worse. And if they could, I just don't see how (laughs) I mean, just utter clowns. These people are. Well, I think Don Lemon is the ultimate example of garbage reporting. I can't remember which evening it was, but he pushed again the Trump called this a hoax. And, oh, this is clearly not a hoax now, like laughing about basically Trump having it. Trump never said COVID was a hoax. Never. It's a lie. It's one of the many lies that the left continue to push along with the both sides, you know, good people on both sides lie. The fact that the media are permitted by their own internal moderators to keep pushing a lie which has been debunked time and time and time again. The fact that they continue to lie and they don't care says everything we need to know about the media. Yeah, like they, you're, they, you're absolutely right. They pride themselves on providing us with the facts. I mean, Daniel Dale, who is CNN's fact checker, came out the other night and he said that how Biden's performance at the debate was largely accurate. I wrote a piece for the Daily Wire listing about 19, 20 of the, of the lies that were easy to debunk that <laughs> Biden came out with. And you have someone who is the CNN's fact checker with That's a straight fair. face sitting there and saying, yeah, Biden was mostly accurate. So you're just lying. Yeah. It's it's not spin. It's not subjectivity. It is outright lies. And I think Trump catching COVID and the media reaction, some people in the media were good. I think um, Rachel Maddow's tweet, for example, was excellent. But there were others in the media who were either pushing the hoax and karma stuff. It's like, you are not journalists. You haven't been journalists for a long time. And things need to change. Either you need to change, or which isn't going to happen, or consumers need to change and we need to stop giving them millions of dollars a year to fill our TVs and our computer screens with nonsense. Yeah, I mean they, they these people should be unemployable. You know, the the Don Lemons, the Jake Taffers of the world. I I just don't see how they still work in this business. It's a complete joke. But uh, just one one more thing before I let you go Ian. I have absolutely no idea what this does to the presidential race. And I spent a lot of time over the last day or so uh, thinking about this, and I don't know. I, I don't know where to start. Like, I don't even know where to start the conversation on, on what this means for the presidential race. I think we're going to see over the next week or so uh, kind of what what narrative forms. I know what the press is, what narrative the press is going to attempt to form, but I, I just don't know. I, I have to... I, 
I don't know. I, I have to believe this does hurt the Trump campaign because he will be off the, the campaign trail for a couple weeks. Now, I know Vice President Pence, Don Jr., uh, Eric Trump, and, and a few other guys are going to be campaigning aggressively. I think Pence is heading to Arizona today or tomorrow. Um, I, I know they're going to be, you know, it's, they call it Operation MAGA. They're going to be holding rallies <laughs> all over the place uh, when the president is recovering. But it still has to hurt Trump. I mean, he, Trump is great at these rallies. He fires. Mm-hmm. This, this is what he does to fire up his base with these live events. And he obviously can't do that for a couple weeks. So I, I think that'll hurt the campaign. Just more generally, I have no clue. I mean, like, historic. I don't know if past his prologue here or not like obviously when ronald reagan was shot in 1981 his approval rating hit like 85 percent or something you know the, the whole country rallied behind him obviously the the left didn't hate they hated reagan don't get me wrong but they didn't hate reagan the same way they hate trump i think maybe it's just the orange the orangeness i don't know reagan was a lot more conservative and a lot more effective so i don't really get it but um i i don't know like i don't know if uh you know, maybe some independents will be more sympathetic to Trump out of this. I don't know. I, I'm not. I've, I have no idea. Like, I have no opinion here. What do you think? Like, what does this do to the race? The election's a month away, less than a month mm-hmm. away. I mean, we are running out of time here, and I have no idea. This is a wrench in the gears. I just don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, I don't think anyone knows, honestly. I, I think if there's any um, political commentator out there who's lecturing anyone on what they know is going to happen, they're just making it up. I think we're on a knife edge, honestly, where I think. This is a matter of narrative. I think what's going to what's going to decide the election is what question people have in their mind when they go to the polls or when they send in their mail in ballot, however they're going to vote. If the question is about Trump, I think Trump loses. If the question is about Biden and more importantly, Kamala Harris, I think um, Trump wins. And so I think Trump getting COVID and being out for a few days or maybe even a couple of weeks in some ways could be good because it redirects focus away from Trump. But with the media, it'll just go to something else on the right. I don't think that will necessarily redirect focus to Biden. I think now it's on Trump and Trump's campaign to stop making it about Trump. Like Trump has this narcissism that makes everything about him. Like the debate was all about him. It's all about him interrupting. Biden is a terrible candidate. Kamala Harris is an evil candidate. Yes. That's what needs to be in people's minds. That's all the campaign need to be talking about. And so... If I were to guess what what happens, because this, I actually don't think it'll be that impactful. I think if Trump gets back to the campaign trail quickly, I think people will forget about it because specifically the left, they care about things when they fit their narrative. The second things don't, for example, when they have a shooting, like a police shooting where evidence comes out where it was completely justified, they move on the next day because it doesn't fit their narrative. Trump getting better from COVID very quickly doesn't fit their narrative. So if Trump gets better... It's just back to the normal days. If Trump is sick, then I think it's going to be very hard for his campaign to campaign without him because he is the man people go to see. Like he is the person people are voting for. If he is basically what people will see as pulling a Biden and not being on the campaign, I think he loses some of that energy that he relies on. How crazy is it going to be if something even crazier than this breaks this week? And in a, <laughs> in a week, the president of the United States contracting a deadly virus that was released from a lab owned by the Chinese Communist Party is like old news that nobody cares about anymore. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. <laughs> like, Just... like, what? What's going to top that, man? Like, this is some serious crap, Ian. Like, but you're probably right that this probably won't affect the race, and the news cycle will probably move on to something else 
imminently. I mean, that's, that's 2020 is just on drugs, man. It needs to stop. We need to slow down. I can't handle this. I know. I mean, you know what's awful, though, is everyone's talking as if we know it's going to end after the election. Everyone has this view that the light is at the end of the tunnel. No. It's like we are, if Trump wins, we're going to have four more years of this. If Trump, even if Trump loses, we're going to have a couple of months of this. Like, get ready. Get your uh, your tunnel ready because we're going to have some serious headaches. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if Biden wins, we're still going to have the craziness. We're still going to have mm-hmm. the outrage monster from the press anytime a Republican says anything. But we'll be doing it with a horrible economy. So, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> We'll be going through the same thing, but everybody will be broke. So uh, excellent stuff. Um, Ian, where can everybody uh, check out your show, which is fantastic. I highly recommend it. Where can everybody read your stuff and keep in touch with you online and all that good stuff? Yeah, so you can uh, find everything on my website. My website is com. Uh, so I write really regularly for The Daily Wire. You can find all my stuff there. Uh, please follow me on social media. It's I-G-H-A-W-O-R-T-H on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And I have two shows, so it's the Ian House Show and the Truth in 60 Seconds. You can find them on Twitter or my website. Yeah, follow me, check me out. I've, I've had Brady on my show a couple of times, so we always have a good time. Thank you so much for having me, as always. Absolutely, my friend. Uh, everybody follow Ian. He's great. Uh, that's all i got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I will be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.